Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network in association with Muller She Wrote Media. I'm your host, Kimberly Johnson in D.C. Today, my guest is Mariah Craven. She's the co-host of the How We Win podcast, along with Steve Pearson. Mariah is a campaign communications consultant. She's worked with Kamala Harris, Alex Padilla, Karen Bass, Wendy Davis, and other candidates for office. She's also the former executive director of Sea Change, an organization that mobilized thousands of donors and volunteers to help flip the house in 2018. Today, we're going to talk about how we are going to win 2022. But before we get into it, the Start Me Up podcast is independent, supported by listeners, and it's woman run. A great big thank you to everybody who supports the show. If you enjoy today's podcast, visit patreon.com slash start me up. Check out all the tiers. I do include a tier with a much shorter intro and no ads. You can hear the free shows on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and they're followed up by What's Up, a show just for patrons where I talk about anything that comes to mind. It's a little more personal, kind of like my online diary. Visit patreon.com slash start me up. And don't forget you can find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. Now, please enjoy my conversation with Mariah Craven. Welcome to the show, Mariah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, me too, because the, the, what you're doing is incredibly important. And I think this is so perfect and timely for what's going on right now. Um, I wanted to, okay, so first of all, you are the co-host of the How We, How we Win podcast. And right. So I want to know, let's just jump right into this. What is the How We Win Fund? Uh, so the How We Win Fund is a, a fundraising mechanism to have all of our listeners who want to participate in this election cycle by donating. Um, we, we're going to, you know, pull all of your donations and have them go to the most effective places mm. and races possible. And I always like to tell people the, the most effective thing you can do to get involved in campaign work is one, donate, two, knock on doors, three, phone bake. And I know there are a whole lot of other things to do, but these are the three most effective things. And because your money and time are so precious, mm -hmm. I want to make sure that you're using all of those things effectively. And the How We Win Fund does just that. So it's an effort between um, MSW Media Family of Podcasts and Swing Left. Uh, we will share the donation page and you can kind of check it out, um, look around Swing Left. What they've done is identify the most important states and races around the country. There's mm. so much going on this election cycle. Um, I know that people can't get involved in every race, no matter mm. how badly they want to. But, you know, when we think about overarching strategy, we want to hold on to the House, we want to make gains in the Senate, and we want to um, have some um, down-ballot and state House races go to the left. Mm -hmm. um, and so in order to do that, Swing Left keeps an eye on all of these races and deploys funds at the most critical moments. So if you go to swingleft.org slash fundraise slash how we win, you can check all of that out and make a donation and see you know, all the other grassroots donors from around the country who are giving what they can mm -hmm. and knowing that it's gonna have a huge impact in November. That's really, really important because there are so many people out there who are grifting and it's good to have that transparency. It's good to understand mm -hmm. where your money's going. It's so important. So uh, why did you and Steve start the How We Win podcast and what do you want listeners to take away from it? 
Well, Steve and I met when we were both doing work to help flip the house in 2018. And we brought two very different perspectives and, and backgrounds to the work. Um, we, we have very different life experiences. <laughs> um, and Steve, my co-host, always calls himself part of the organizing class of 2016. <laughs> so he, you know, was, you know, stunned when Donald Trump was elected, you know, joined the millions of people across the country who took to the streets and then started organizing in their own communities. And I had this background um, uh, doing professional campaign work. Um, and so, you know, was was doing, was working with congressional campaigns across Southern California. Um, and that's sort of how we and many other organizers connected and just built this really incredible mobilizing machine, but also like a really um, uplifting community. And after the midterm, Steve approached me and said, uh, you know, we got to keep this going. Uh, we need to let other people know how they can involve, can get involved. So let's do uh, a podcast about it to make sure that people's engagement goes beyond election day. Like hmm. It was so exciting to take back the house in 2018, but that's sort of the the beginning of the work that we have to do, you know? Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, he brought that sort of like a kind of newbie passion and excitement. And I have this like, okay, old school, like what's the most effective way to organize? What does the data tell us to do? Um, and we brought that together and then we just wanted to like, keep people inspired and, and keep people going. I think, you know, there are weeks like this week when the world feels so heavy and yeah. so sad and like you, you feel so small and yeah. ineffective. And hopefully if you've been listening to the how we win podcast <laughs> for the last couple of years, you're remembering all of these amazing people that we've talked to that have felt this exact same way before right. and you know it gives you that hope to right. to keep to keep going and, and feel feel a little bit more powerful um i have some questions i have obviously a bunch more questions for you about this whole process but i just have to slip and tell like slip this in because i think this is kind of funny so steve and i are friends on facebook and mm -hmm. i know that he's married to melinda mcgraw do you know her Yes, she's an incredible actor. Well, you know what's funny? Okay, I used to be an actor. And I, when I was an actor, I, I can't remember where it was. It was probably somewhere in Studio City. But I had signed up for this class. And I don't even remember what the class was, but Melinda was in it. And, okay. you know, and it's so funny because, I mean, I've seen her in, you know, I've seen her in action. I know she was yeah. in... Uh, she's been an actress in a lot of different things and I recognize her, but it was like, before I even recognized her, it was like, I remembered her from that class. And I just think the world is so small, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's so funny. This one little crossover from my old life into this one, even though I haven't talked to her, but I am friends with him. So I just thought that was funny. Okay. So that out of the way, um, the, the donations <laughs> that people, <laughs> I know I just had to throw that in there cause I think it's funny. Um, the donations that people make to How We Win, uh, how do candidate get, candidates get these donations? Sure. So the How We Win, for the, so the donations don't go to How We Win. They go to Swing Left. Swing Left, I'm sorry. With, Swing Left. Yeah, that's okay. Which um, I just want, I want to make sure that people know. <laughs> um, 
And so Swing Left has all of these pol like politically savvy folks who are engaging with um, candidates and campaigns all over the country. And they, after primary season, say, okay, you know, in this district, um, you know, this candidate has a great shot at flipping this, this seat from red to blue. So we're going to put our resources, the, you know, the money that our donate, uh, that our donate donors sent in are, they have a, they have a massive email list, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and there are organizations like swing left that are doing this all over the country. And I think, you know, when you think about, um, you know, supporting candidates for office, you think about, you know, the, the big names and giving money directly to their campaigns. There are a lot of organizations that, um, are, you know, either strategically focused or issues focused that, you know, if you're donating money to them, they're pushing it out to mm -hmm. the campaign. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's similar to what, you know, an organization like Emily's List is going to do where they're, um, you're giving money to them and they're deploying it strategically to support women pro-choice candidates, that mm. sort of thing. So Swing Left does the exact same thing. Gotcha. And Swing Left is, a, is another organization that was um, created right after the, the 2016 election with the idea of helping all of these excited new activists figure out where to gather, where to knock mm -hmm. on doors, where to send their money. And so they point you to the closest swing district and give you a shot at helping swing it to the left. That's really cool. So what are the most effective things people can do to help the candidates that are going to actually take action on keeping gums out of our schools, protect our access to abortion and uh, you know other forms of health care? Um, that's um, the most important question that you're <laughs> asking. And um, again, you know, if there's not a candidate that excites you, look at a, a pack or an organization that excites you. Hmm. Um, if guns are your uh, the, the pressing concern, mm -hmm. then there are so many great organizations out there that are doing um, candidate support work or candidate vetting or issues campaigns that you can get involved in. Um, I think that you know individuals. There's so there's so many exciting. Um, people, particularly on the left, that are running for office these days. There's so many weirdos on the right. It's, it's very more and more alarming and, and confusing. And it just goes to show you that you don't have to. You have, you can have a personality and maybe not great ideas or, mm -hmm. or any sort of policy um, suggestions. So you know, if you're feeling overwhelmed by or you know disenchanted by the individuals. Um, I definitely say, you know, take a look at organizations like um, Moms Demand and Every mm -hmm. Town for Gun Safety and Giffords. These mm -hmm. are orgs that um, are really using funds for the best possible, in the best possible way, and they're supporting candidates that are doing the real work. Um, yeah. So look to them for endorsements and and. Um, things like that. And, you know, I, I always also encourage us to look at ourselves, you know, mm -hmm. um, for things like um, common sense gun reform and access to reproductive rights. Um, the federal government lets us down again and again with this. Mm -hmm. And 
where the rubber hits the road is in down ballot local yes. races, local government seats. There are so many that are open right now. If you think that you're the best person in your community to make a difference on these issues, if this is what you're passionate about, run. And you don't have to run for Congress to run. You can you can run at a, a super local level and make a big difference. Um, and then hold the people who are elected, who you choose, we have to hold them accountable. So if you're upset about what happened in Uvalde this week, and of course, who isn't, or what happened mm-hmm. in Buffalo last week, you got to make some phone calls. Like mm-hmm. even if you don't get through to talk to somebody, your call will be recorded. If mm-hmm. you, um, and I always tell people like call the person who represents you. If you live in, you know, California, it doesn't make sense to call Mitch McConnell's office. They're mm-hmm. just going to ignore you. Mm-hmm. Um, but make sure that you go on record with your own, um, Senator or representative. Um, those, those calls make a difference. They actually do pay attention to them. And so, I mean, obviously, what about if you, what if your representative is a Democrat who already basically feels the same way you do? Do you still think it's important to make that call? I think it's important to make the call and to, uh, if, if they voted the way that, that you think they should, if they're calling for the policies that you agree with, um, let them know that. Mm -hmm. I I think that one of the most important things that we can do as activists is tell stories, Mm -hmm. Um, explain to them why it's important to Mm -hmm. you. Um, And again, if you live in the district, you make a phone call, you send an email, whether you get a response or not, all of this stuff is recorded and collected Mm -hmm. and saved. And um, a powerful story, um, even if it's something that doesn't directly affect you, but you know, why, why, you know, this issue is on your mind is going to stand out to a staffer or um, an elected that reads it. That's, that's really good advice. And I just want to go back and reiterate the importance on the local end of things, because I've talked about this on my show before, but I've, I've had David Pepper on and he, Mm -hmm. you know, he's in Ohio. He wrote a book about winning. I can't remember the name of it, but um, something about, uh, laboratories of democracy or something like that. And and his whole point is the importance of these local elections. And unfortunately, Democrats have not been focusing on them as they should because the Republicans are laser focused on them. The Coke money, mm-hmm. all this money goes into these local things, whether it's school, bar, school boards or um, city councils, things like that. So it is extremely important for anybody. I mean, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to do this. You just have to be someone who has a decent grip on reality. I mean, look at Marjorie Taylor Greene. She doesn't even have a decent grip on reality. And she just got, you know, she just won um, her primary. primary. Yeah. yeah. So uh, th- thank you so much for, for hitting this on your show and for continuing to hit it because um you look at how um, the Republicans are, are have been so successful mm-hmm. at building benches mm-hmm. of people who are, you know, working their way up the pipeline. But also, like, we've been so focused on these school board meetings yes. and this CRT and don't say gay of it all that we weren't asking, what are you doing to protect 
these kids from shooters Mm -hmm. and they have successfully distracted us Mm -hmm. for months Mm -hmm. on some stuff that like and and why it's because these school boards are willing to entertain this nonsense Mm -hmm. and and it's because they've put the right people in place yeah the marjorie taylor green types who are going to allow for all the crap that we're hearing and it is it's so much of it is a distraction because they don't have a legitimate platform so they're just using cultural division and, and, and all this stuff to keep everybody's mind occupied occupied and off of the main thing, which is guns, which is abortion. Okay, so, okay, do you think Democrats have a shot at big wins in the midterms? I do. I think that, you know, we, we were speaking a, a couple of minutes ago about the, you know, the Republicans leaning into, um, you know, cultural issues mm-hmm. uh, that are going to, you know, maybe fire like strike some fear into their base and get them a little bit fired up. I think they're making a huge error for themselves um, by um, lean, like taking like leaning into taking away reproductive rights, mm-hmm. um, leaning into um, uh, like the 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 policy solutions that we've heard in the last couple of days. Uh, about you know keeping students in school safe are so absurd and ridiculous that nobody is ever going to go for them. Mm-hmm. And so I think when you look at the the obviously I think historically um, you know the the party that prevails in a in one in a presidential election doesn't do so well Mm -hmm. in the coming midterms, um, which is what we're approaching. But I think we got to throw that out this year. We are living in such an uh, historically unprecedented time that it doesn't make sense to use uh, historical data to try to predict what's going to happen. I totally agree. The majority of the country is in line with Democrats at this moment on so many of these issues that, you know, I think we have a good shot. So do you, okay, now, adding to this, and I'm glad that you're saying this because I'm feeling this way too. How do you think striking row play, striking down row plays into this? I think that it is going to mobilize a lot of uh, voters mm-hmm. um, that are going to go in the Democrats' favor. I, I'm so fearful of what happens in the meantime Mm -hmm. you know i i live in in texas in a in a state that is hostile Mm -hmm. towards people who can get pregnant it's this is not a safe place to get pregnant Mm -hmm. um the surrounding states not safe um and the damage that is going to be done that frankly can't really be undone for a while mm-hmm. um, because of the way that our Supreme Court is is going now and, and you know mm-hmm. there's like nothing that we can do about that. So again, this goes back to our earlier conversation of electing people at the state and and below levels mm-hmm. that are going to actually listen to the will of the people and protect our rights um yeah. that that's that's what this comes down to so will does it mean that we could hold on to the house and make gains in the senate yes i just like at what heartbreaking cost is exactly come? it's exactly but you know i i've i think that some uh, we have to take responsibility 
for ourselves as voters. I mean, if you voted in all these elections, good for you, and I'm not talking to you, but for the people who refuse to show up because A, they say both parties are the same, or they're, right. I'm too busy, or I'm just not, I didn't even know it happened. You know, it, it, when you live in a house and something breaks, you're aware of it and you fix it. Um, but mm -hmm. in our government, you, you don't even be, you're not even aware. So many people aren't even aware um, especially with these local races that they're even going mm -hmm. on and there are races every single year and it's really easy and I mean I've done it I, I often online I'm talking to Democratic Party because I want to see leadership act in a different way but we get so caught up in blaming leadership that we're not taking the responsibility as voters which I think is incredibly important because leaders can only go so far especially leaders who are not willing to cheat and 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 to do terrible things in order to win which is the democratic mm -hmm. party and I'm not saying they're perfect but compared to what we're dealing with on the other side um we have to recognize that there are elections every single year and if you are not happy, and that's the other thing, you, you vote for somebody, and then they win, and if they if they piss you off, then it's up to you to tell them. It's like you said, right. call them up, tell them your story, be polite, be civil, but let them know, hey, I'm not happy with what you're doing because of this. And if everybody did that, if everybody held elected officials, you know, responsible and, and accountable for everything that they've done then they would feel more obligated to mm -hmm. please their constituents because they want your vote. And so yeah. a lot of these people don't even, they, they know they're being ignored and they do whatever, you know, they can, they, it allows them to get lazy. And then, and then we just point to our leaders and go, it's all your fault. I elected you. I showed up on election day and that's all I need to do. But it's like, no, again, it's like you buy your house. You got to repair your house when things break. You don't just buy the house and everything's perfect forever. And so I, you know, I wish people would kind of take that, take the government and politics and bring it down to this personal house thing. You know, you all live in a house. You got, let's say, five people living in a house and you have to agree and you have to up, you keep the house, you know, mm -hmm. maintained and all that. That's what we have to do with our government. And so it's extremely important that we recognize our own responsibility. So I just had to throw that out there because I've, I, I, I see so many people were all in this fearful mode right now and fear, mm -hmm. which I think is important to bring up the things that are, you know, I think Democrats should use fear, but fear using the truth, not like they're going to mm -hmm. take away your guns, bullshit fear, but just like, you know, the fear of, Hey, you're going to lose your rights forever. You're never going right. to be able to go get an abortion, you know, or at least, you know, for another generation. And by that time you won't need one anymore. So it's like, we, we just have to be aware. We have to be aware of what we can lose and, and we need to work on that fear. Um, I'm getting off on a tangent, so I'll stop, but I want to ask you, um, <laughs> no, I love it. <laughs> do you, do you, how much influence do you think the televised one six committee hearings are going to play into the midterms also? Oh my goodness, what a great question. Um, the the leaks that we've seen so far are just so absolutely wild. And so to think about the fact that, you know, all this stuff could come out on the record, <laughs> yeah. um, televised, I think it's gonna, you know, help keep the, ba the Democrats' base happy. I just kind of look at, you know, the Trump impeachment mm -hmm. hearings, I think those are very smartly 
televised. Did they did they change any Trump voters' minds? I, I don't right. I don't yeah. think so. Yeah. Um, but did it did it get more more of the the same faction out? Yeah, probably. I mean, the last thing I read about the last leak that I read about from the January sixth committee is that um, Trump was kind of like a little bit gleeful almost about the crowd chanting "Hang Mike Pence," and if that doesn't strike a lot of fear in you. And a yeah. lot of, you know, an understanding of, you know, January 6th was bad. Mm-hmm. It could have been <laughs> yeah. horrible. Yeah. Like, it, you know, that certainly uh, is is helpful and motivating information to know. Um, does it help the people who remain convinced that the election was still stolen? I, I, I don't right. think so. Yeah. Right. Wow. So, um are there any particular candidates you're excited about this year? A lot. Um, and like I said, you know, if you go, if you go to that um, swing left page uh, that we told you about, you can kind of explore um, some, and, and swing left boils down like the, the races that we could focus on mm-hmm. for me personally. I mean, listen, we all saw Beto O'Rourke. Mm, yes. Confront. Greg Abbott yes. and and you know Beto um, is the Democratic nominee for for governor here in Texas. Um, he, you know, I, I think he's got a shot, and if he keeps doing things mm-hmm. like he did this week, and I, I think he has that in him, um, that's going to be a very exciting and effective mm-hmm. um, race coming up. Stacey Abrams mm, in Georgia. Yes. Um, again, we you know. If you're not in Georgia, maybe you're like, oh, well, it would be great if she won, but I'm not in Georgia. But again, this goes down to like the states that are making sure that, um, you know, citizens' rights are upheld Mm -hmm. there and it has a ripple effect. We saw that Georgia ended up playing a massive Mm -hmm. role in making sure that the 2020 election didn't get overturned. Mm -hmm. And it's because the governor Mm -hmm. and the secretary of state were willing to stand up to Trump. So. Um, that's another important one. Um, Val Dimmings in Florida yes, is taking yes. on Marco Rubio. I just think she's amazing. She is. Um, <laughs> I, I just really recommend that people um, learn more about her, follow her career, keep an eye on her. She's going to do incredible things. And a lot of people are excited about John Fetterman in mm-hmm. Pennsylvania. I am too. And then I want to shout out Christy Smith in um, Southern California. Uh, she is taking on uh, Trump guy Mike Garcia. Um, she ran against him in the last congressional house cycle and lost by something like 300 votes. Wow, which is so frustrating yeah. because you know I've door knocked for Christie in the past. We could door knock 300 doors mm-hmm. in in a Saturday morning, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so that was during the pandemic, um, Democrats weren't knocking on doors, uh, that cycle. So, um, so this is, I think an easy flip for Democrats Hmm. to, to take that seat from Mike Garcia. And I think Christy, uh, Christy could definitely do it. Wow. Um, and going back to Beto, I think it's so, I mean, he was so impressive, but beyond that, he was impressive just because. You hear Democrats, especially disgruntled and angry, frustrated, you know, social media people, and they they 
they want the Democrats to be more aggressive and they, mm-hmm. they want them to play dirty. And I don't think we should play dirty so much. Although it's funny, Kirk Acevedo was on my show the other day and he was basically saying that we need a few of those dirty people. And I can, <laughs> I can see where they kind of come in as long as they're not like full blown breaking laws and things like that. Um, because then we become the Republicans and that's not what we want. But I think right. Beto is a perfect example of the way he behaved, it was, you know, I mean, often my boyfriend and I, you know, he's into politics and we talk about this and, and I say, you know, the idea here is, and, and I'm going to be profane because I usually am on my show, but you know, it's like, nice. don't fuck with us have that attitude. Right. You don't have to necessarily, you don't have to go cheat, but you have to stand up to the Republicans and like, do not fuck with us because we will bite back and you have to, and that's what Beto did. You know, he, he, he was civil, he was peaceful and he made Mm -hmm. them so angry. And, and then here's the most, one of the most important parts of this. He was all over the place yesterday, all over the place. Instead of hearing about how horrible Greg Abbott is, we heard about what a hero Beto is. So it, when when these leaders stand up in this way, don't fuck with me way, that's what gets the coverage. And when, when that cover it's to me, it's like, we all go on experience, right? Like if, if we're, if we're used to feeling beaten down, we kind of take Mm -hmm. that on and we make an assumption Mm -hmm. and then it becomes a collective assumption and we manifest that it, it it becomes a reality. And so what, when we have somebody like Beto or when we have, you know, these bold leaders who stand up and fight for us and we feel like, hey, that person is fighting for me. That person cares about me. All of a sudden, now you're starting to feel hope and now you're starting to see a win and and, and then that becomes what we manifest. So it's so important not to have this milk toast language, milk toast kind of reaction to what's going on. We And the thing is, is while Beto plays his role as a leader that's we have to do that too we are you know I mean I hate it when I see people on social media with we're gonna lose we're gonna lose we're gonna lose Mm -hmm. because it's like stop we might lose that is definitely on you know that's an option but before (laughs) it happens let's not just give them don't give it to them don't make right. that assumption. Fight until you know what happens. Fight till we get the answer. If we lose, then we deal with losing when we lose. Don't deal with losing before we might win because it, it, it totally colors how you behave. And, you know, and some people just get apathetic and they don't vote. So and, and that's handing it to them. So it, it's just so important when I saw him yesterday. And so it's like listening to these people that you're talking about, Val Demings, all of them, um, Yes, definitely follow them, especially when you're feeling low, because these people are going to give you hope. These people are going to pull you out of we're doomed and and into, oh, we've been, you know, we've been here before. Human beings love to repeat history over and over and over and over again. And so it's Mm -hmm. like if you go back, you could see, you know, we did this in 2018. We did this in 2020. We won. So we can win now. We just have to focus on that. So um, now that I've talked about all these awesome, or you've talked about all these awesome people, is there anybody running that you're not excited about? I'm, I'm so glad you're asking this because I really want to talk about uh, this this uh, Congress member here in Texas, Henry Cuellar. 
Um, he is the last anti-choice Democrat in the House, and I'm my personal opinion. And I, you know, I I would love to hear from people who maybe disagree with me. My own personal opinion is, given where we are in history, there's no room for that mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah. Um, uh, and and you know, to so I think to steal a quote from the vice president. Dude, gotta go. <laughs> we are at this critical point in our history for reproductive rights. And he was in a runoff in Texas on Tuesday. Democratic House leadership had the opportunity to support his opponent, uh, a, 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 a fiery young Democrat who's super exciting, Jessica Cisneros. And they chose not to. Wow. They they st- they stood with their colleague mm-hmm. and like i guess i get you know i, I get the loyalty ish but mm-hmm. i don't think i think he's got a i think he's he's got a like no mm-hmm. no i don't get it i don't get it so i'm going back on what i said um <laughs> so so he's in the runoff this week um he's currently up by 177 votes he uh, has already declared victory, even though all the mail-in ballots haven't been counted. And, uh, like, most disgusting of all, his allies ran this awful sexist smear campaign against his opponent in the days before the election. Wow. And it's just like like what you were saying, like, as Democrats, maybe we have to be more bold. Maybe we have to push the line a little bit, but to be anti-choice right. and sexist yeah. <laughs> is like, that's not who we are. And so I really hope that, um, you know, if this, if, if the final votes come in and he does move forward and he remains in office, I hope that we all um, hold his feet to the fire, you know, every step of, of, of the way for the next two years. Yeah. And unfortunately in this particular case, it sounds like it is, kind of like a choice between the two evils, right? So which one's worse? And, uh, you know, so let me ask you this. If that's the choice and, you know, you've got all these Democrats who maybe they're aware he's anti-choice and they're aware that he's been sexist and they're kind of disgusted by him. um, Obviously, it's better to vote for him than the Republican. um, But... How can you like, for instance, you were talking about donating, you know, for for like every town. Is it every town? Is that's what it's called? I, I am so terrible with remember remembering names of things. But no, I know, into it, yeah. Um, so you know, like those the individual places that help. So for in his case, since he's anti-choice, you know, like maybe you could put your money toward um, one of these organizations that will help out. You know, swing left. We'll figure out um, the best way to use that money and the best way to win if you're not feeling excited about them. But I I think the point that I'm trying to make here, and I'm failing miserably, is that sometimes we have to make these choices that disappoint us. And and I guess what I'm trying to say is don't allow your disgust with this to get in the way because this is politics. Politics is not personal. It's personal when, you know, laws affect us and everything. But we have to realize it's not always going to go our way. And, and it's a process. And like you said, if he gets back in, everybody needs to stay on him and let him know that they're not happy with him. He needs to get phone calls every day from constituents telling him, you're not doing what I want. So he'll either change his tune 
or he'll become so arrogant and 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 he'll lose because they'll finally put up someone who is I don't know, you know, the, the Democrats may back and that that's another problem with the Democrats is that they don't do that. Too often they don't back the candidate needs. I think they weren't backing Warnock uh, last year. And he he's wonderful and he won mm-hmm. and sometimes I think the Democrat the Democratic leadership needs to step it up a little bit when it, you know, it comes to that. All that said, I am not attacking Democrats. We want Democrats to win, but they're not perfect, so we're going to talk about it from time to time and it's not an attack. And I'm just saying that because you never know. Somebody's going to go, "Why are you attacking the Democrats all the time?" <laughs> so. Oh, and I really hope people don't. Yeah, I, I hope people don't don't take it like that. Right. Um and I think you're you're raising a good point. Like, is is a Democrat who is anti-choice better than a, a Republican? And all the, uh, I suppose so. But I think we were in a position where because the race, his race with Jessica, is so close, mm-hmm. and the Democrat holds that seat, then you know I do wonder if we had a shot mm-hmm. at you know moving forward with somebody who could embody so much more especially yeah. as re- as we as we plan for roe versus wade to to go away um to uh you know could she have could she have had a shot right. with yeah. support yeah wow so okay so was, yeah yeah so thank you for pointing that out <laughs> you know i wrote a book uh, it's called american woman and it's just it's a personal kind of a thing because I wanted to talk about my own feminism and my experience on social media and all that. But I but what I wrote this book was American Woman, the Pole Dance Women in Voting. And when I was a young girl, 2021, 20, 22, 23, I really was not paying attention to politics at all. And I took mm-hmm. everything for granted. I was focused on all the obvious things you focus on when you're young, you know, music, guys, dating trying to make money, you know, studying acting. So I was not paying attention. And I do know 100% if I was right now, if I was 23, I would be politically aware just because of the abortion thing and, you know, uh, gun Mm -hmm. rights and all of that. Our country is different. And so it's different than it was in 1989. So I, or you know, however old I was, in 1999. Um, I mean, I did vote for Bill Clinton and I have voted in every presidential election, but I just wasn't very, I depended on my mom, who's very, 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 very liberal and political to kind of help me along when Mm -hmm. I wasn't paying attention because I trusted, you know, what she had to say about all of it. Um, But it's just, you know, I mean, I, I wish, I just want people to understand because I didn't I didn't understand how important it was until I did and you know I've, I've said this on my show before so people who my regular listeners know but what turned me into a political junkie was Sarah Palin and you know it was always like an evolution I was looking at the 2000 election I was paying attention to those hanging chads and you know mm-hmm. I watched Bill Maher and a little bit of Rachel Maddow and so I was like slowly getting more and more into it and then there was Sarah Palin yeah, Sarah Palin just was like, oh, my God, she scared the shit out of me. I was oh terrified God, yeah. of her. And I realized how important everything was when when uh, I saw her. And so ever since and it's, it's gotten even more because in 2012, I started blogging and I became like a big mouth feminist. And so, you know, it's just, <laughs> it's just been like the, the political evolution of my life. So, <laughs> um, OK, back to you. And this is a really important question. Um, I know you and Steve talk a lot about volunteering for campaigns. So what does it take to be a good volunteer and what are some of the things that volunteers do? 
Yeah. So if you have never volunteered for a campaign before, I highly encourage you to to try it out. It is a very, typically very fun communal experience. I always just tell people to be patient and persistent. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, um, Patient because usually um, campaigns are is like so understaffed. I can't even tell you how many campaigns I've been on where like, you know, everybody gets fired. It's like a rite of passage and you have like, you know, a handful of people doing the work that 15 people used to do because, you know, funds are running low. And so, um, and so that's why I always say that don't, if somebody doesn't call you back right away, if things are a little discombobulated, don't take it personally, Mm -hmm. just, you know, be a little patient and definitely be persistent. Um, I always recommend a willingness to do what the campaign needs Mm -hmm. And understanding that that might not be exactly what you want to do or what you feel comfortable doing. Um, But, you know, it's it's like, I always say it's like giving a present. Like you kind of have to give a gift of your time. Mm -hmm. And once you give it to somebody, you know, let go of trying to control what they do with it and and go for it. comfortable shoes a smile <laughs> and then um, just you know if you if you sign up for something try your best to, to fulfill that commitment because they're depending on you and so like I said earlier um, I know that knocking on doors feels weird and is hard and it, it you know I live in a place where it's already been like a hundred degrees for weeks and mm-hmm. I was knocking on doors a couple of weeks ago. It was so hot. Um, but, you know, uh, it is the most effective thing you can do. And um, when you come across somebody who's at home and answers the door and, you know, doesn't look at the ring and, and keep it moving, <laughs> um, most people, like you were saying earlier, Kimberly, most people are busy and they don't know what's going on. Right. Like, hopefully they know that an election is coming up, uh-huh. but they probably don't know all the people on the ballot. Right. And so you're really there as a service to them to give them information that they don't have to, you know, uh-huh. spend time doing themselves. So you're really, you're really offering people a very valuable service. Um, and, and then the same, the same with phone banking. Um, and then, you know, everybody loves text banking and postcarding and stuff like that data is still coming in on how effective all of those things are Mm -hmm. and not every campaign is um technologically set up to do all of that stuff Mm -hmm. so you know like i said just keep in mind that you're going to the campaign uh, with your your heart in your hands and saying how can i help you and yeah um yeah well and, and you mentioned it might feel uncomfortable so then you have to weigh what will feel more uncomfortable knocking on a stranger's door or losing my health care knocking on a stranger's mm-hmm. door or losing my social security what's going to make you more uncomfortable so you have to kind of weigh that <laughs> oh my god that is such a great way to think about it um yeah, yeah it's just as you're walking up to somebody's front door tell yourself that yes because it, sometimes it's hard and i mean i've done phone banking and it's um I guess when you first start doing it, it seems a little daunting, but, mm-hmm. it, you know, usually the campaigns make it very easy for you. There's a script. You just have to remember be, to be polite. That's like the most important thing. Don't ever lose your temper when you're phone banking, even if you get a jerk. 
just be polite and you know talk to them fr- you know, be as friendly and cordial and as civil as possible and um it's not hard you know everything is there it's there for you it's usually hooked up to the computer you don't even have to use your own phone or if you do there's some special way to do it so that you're not being charged for anything your number is not going through and like i said there's a, a script for you and mm-hmm. It just, it's very easy. And, and as long as you, you know, imagine yourself on the other end of the phone because you're basically going to be like, oh God, somebody wants to sell me something. Somebody wants, you know, somebody wants to talk to me about, but they don't want to be hearing from you. So you have to kind of understand how they're not wanting to hear it. And if you are rude in any way, you're just going to, you're going to make them hate politics. You're going to make them not. So it's like, just be cool and understand that, you know, you may not get a person that's friendly to you, but you just got to be cool. That's so important. People, you know, I've heard people talk about phone banking and they get mad and it's like, well, then you're failing. You're, you, you know, you're doing exactly the opposite of what you should be doing. So I just have to throw that out there. Um, um, I think that's great advice. And I always like to like one of the first things out of my mouth if somebody answers the phone is, um, hey, I'm a volunteer. Yes. <laughs> and people are usually more receptive to that. And then a lot of these campaigns have you knocking and calling um, um, Democrats, typically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very rare. Friendly, to right, meet, yeah. Especially if you're a, a, a new volunteer where you know, nobody's going to send you to uh, <laughs> right, you know, so, yeah. <laughs> a Republican's door to call a Republican uh, because, you know, we just don't – there's no time for that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it's, sometimes you do run across jerks, but it's so rare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just, yeah, you just have to keep that in mind. And you know, it's, it's understandable right now that so many people feel deflated. They feel like there's no hope. Um, so what's your advice to people who are, have given up hope in our system? Um, oh, gosh, I, I get it, but to your point, like we don't like what's the what's the other option right, is yeah. just to have have our rights stripped away. And you know, this is one of the things that I really appreciate about hosting the How We Win podcast is that we always ask our guests at the end of the interview, "What's your reason for hope?" Mm-hmm. And having a like ending on a positive note mm-hmm. is always just helpful for me personally. And then it's always helpful to hear you know these inspiring things that that motivate um activists to keep going but i just say hang in there to everybody you know as a black woman i feel so often um especially right now when people are constantly bringing up the constitution and talking about the second amendment and um you know roe versus wade and the history of all of this stuff this system was not set up for me it was created with the idea that I didn't matter and that I didn't count as a citizen or even as a full human being, but this is where I am and it's the system we have. And, you know, to your point, Kimberly, my freedom and survival depend on making it work for me. So I feel like I don't have a choice. I don't, I can't give up. If we sit back and leave it to the people who want the power, who have taken the power, they're never going to look out for us. No. So, it's on us now. We have to look out for each other and for ourselves and make this work for us. So if you feel that you are a little bit different 
you're you don't look like one of the founding fathers mm-hmm. you don't have the same mentality as the people who set this system up for us um that doesn't mean that it's not for you and that it can't work for you it just means that it's going to take a little bit more work yeah and and i mean uh, i always love to go back to kamala harris saying that democracy is not a given it's something that we mm-hmm. have to work for every day and i'm going to read this tweet that i saw this morning and and then i kind of want to give a little explanation this tweet is blew my mind so it was a woman mm-hmm. her name i guess her name is Lori on twitter she wrote the u.s was founded not on human rights but property rights our core value is protecting what we own not our people Everything follows from that. White supremacy, misogyny, rugged individualism, manifest destiny. It's all rooted in our fetishization of protecting property. Woo. So, yeah, that's pretty, pretty uh, hardcore and accurate. But what I want to add to this is while the U.S. was not founded on human rights, clearly over time that has become um, an incredibly important issue. And, you know, I mean, we saw the civil rights, you know, in the 1960s, the the 1960s and 70s, you know, women's liberation and all of that, those movements, they've evolved from what this country originally was founded on. Unfortunately, some of that, you know, a lot of it still exists. There's still um, everything that she mentioned. And it it makes a lot Mm -hmm. of sense when you think about it that way, because it's, it's, it was not, it was about property rights, which all goes to money. Right. And and money is, you know, the, the king. And so since that is where we came from, and I know the founding fathers had certain expectations and visions for the country and whether or not it met or exceeded or whatever their expectations, we are where we are now. And there's no looking back as far as human rights. We are clearly a country now that so many of its, you know, people who live here think this is you know human rights are they are rights <laughs> and and mm-hmm. that we should have them and we should fight for them and so i just kind of want to throw that out there to everybody because you know we 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 get so lost in the petty and the minutia and the details of what's going on and we kind of lose track of where this all started and how this all came about and when we can fully understand when we have a real true understanding of how things began we can have a better understanding of where to take them based on where mm. we began. So um, the last question I have for you is you had mentioned earlier in the show about those archives of, of different candidates. So if uh, people want to check out those archives, who are some of the guests that you would recommend they listen to? Oh, for the, for, for how we win. Um, yes. Some of the, the, the guests that we've had, um, definitely listen to our episode with Senator Chris Murphy. Um, he had some, you know, very powerful statements this week mm-hmm. about what happened in Uvalde and talked to us a couple of years ago about where the, you know, the movement both like, um, organizationally and legislatively is when it comes to securing gun rights, uh, or, or common sense gun, gun laws. Um, Stacey Abrams, another one I would recommend listening to. I always recommend Anat Shankor Asario. Mm-hmm. She's comes on like every year and she's just this messaging and data genius hmm. who helps us, you know, figure out how to talk to each other and other persuadable people about the issues that we care about. Um, Wajahat Ali mm, is another great, recent yeah. guest who is 
amazing and you know check out his twitter feed and the and the podcast for just again great recommendations on how we can talk and use our personal experiences um to move people and then because you know how we went originated in la steve's mm-hmm. still in la we have fun hollywood guests so you mm-hmm. can hear from Alyssa milano um piper Parabo. Alonzo Bowden, um, really just people who are fun and interesting and, you know, not every celebrity is willing to use their platform, um, in these ways. So it's always exciting to hear from people who are. Yeah. And I just want to personally say thank you for doing this because it is so important. And, um, I know that it's coming from passion and oftentimes on my show, I mean, I certainly get emotionally you know I'm, I'm emotionally charged by what happens I feel personally affected by everything and and that often comes out of my show I think this show is great because you are talking from authority you understand what's going on and you actually have a real message of hope and I think that's in, that's so important because as I was saying there's so much doom out there there's so much I'm you know we're gonna lose we're gonna and and I think it's so important that we take the time to listen to people like you and Steve Pearson because you have you you're not just coming from that jaded perspective even though you like us are witnessing this tennis ball you know this constant barrage you know of I I can't remember the the tennis ball terminology my boyfriend uses it all the time but the you know (laughs) how the tennis balls just come shooting out bad news bad news bad news and it's like we're all getting it and then we all process it differently and so the way that you're helping everybody process it I think is to not take on that okay we've lost automatic assumption you know thing that's going to make us lose if if we if we don't pay attention to what we're doing so I just want to say a personal thank you it was a long way to say it but (laughs) thank you for doing it (laughs) that's so nice of you yeah and we still like listen we off the top of the show it's you know expletive sarcasm filled (laughs) look at the news but I what I appreciate is you know at the end of every episode we talk about what's giving us, you know, a reason for hope for the week. Yeah. And it's all, it feels like if I didn't have that every week and it's almost like a meditation mm-hmm. where you force yourself to think about something positive after you've spent, you know, right. a couple minutes sort of lamenting about the state of the world mm-hmm. and, and, you know, getting in some zingers about Trump or McConnell or whoever, but like recognizing that there's good happening as well Mm -hmm. is so cathartic and important. And it's something that I just like, I'm trying to work into a daily practice as well. Yeah. And that's you for me right now. You are, you guys are what are giving me hope. And it's funny because I had, I think I had Sherry Jacobus on the other day and one of the comments was like, I was up, I was down. I was up, I was down. I was hopeful. I was, you know, and it's like, I think this is just about hope and it's legitimate. It's not hope porn as uh, I think Alison Gill likes to talk about and make fun of because (laughs) people accuse her of, you know, being hope porn, but um, it's not hope porn. It's legitimate hope because we, you know, we have been in, in, in history of human beings. There have been so many 
awful things that have been overcome. And so we can mm-hmm. overcome this. It's just a, we just have to, we have to put our energy into it. It's, we have to manifest it. It's going to happen if we take those steps. And so I think your podcast helps people figure out how to take those steps when they're just feeling lost. Cause it's understandable to feel defeated. It's understandable mm-hmm. to feel lost. And I felt it and I've tweeted it and I've, mm-hmm. you know, I can't, I, even though I like to talk about the fact that there is hope. I, you know, I'm human and I succumb to it. I get defeated. And so I try to pull myself up real fast, but yeah. So you guys are the ones that are giving me hope. I'm so, I'm grateful for you guys. I hope everybody goes and checks, you you know, your podcast out. So before I let you go, tell everybody where they can find you. Sure. Any, any podcast platform, look for how we win. Um, you can find us online at howwewinpod.com or on the social medias at how we win pod. Um, I'm at Mariah underscore Craven. Would love to hear from people and you have, you know, guest suggestions and hear your reasons for hope to kind of keep you lifted up too. Awesome. Well, and of course, I'm author Kimberly, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y. Don't forget the E at the end of my name. My books are on Amazon. Thank you so much, Mariah. This was an awesome conversation. Thank you, Kimberly. I really appreciate being able to chat with you. It's really uplifting. Very cool. Thanks again and talk soon.